What's happening? Will Freeman, RevolutionaryLifestyleDesign.com, coming at you today to talk about how to understand your persona and why it's important. So, to understand your persona, you need to understand the root of the word, which comes from the Greek meaning for actor's mask. Your persona or personality is merely the mask you show the world. Um, you might know that already. Maybe that's the first time you've heard that, but it's not actually a bad thing, but it's a really, really important distinction to make and that you're not exactly the mask that you put forward in the world, okay? And when you can understand your persona, you can understand how to make it work better for you and therefore live a happier, higher quality of life. It's also very important to be able to understand how different personas interact in the world, and I'm gonna sort of break that down for you. But we have to start with um, the development of, of the persona. So, okay, we're gonna talk about how to understand the persona, starting with the development of the persona, to where the only people without well-formed personas are children and the mentally ill, okay? If you watch a child, you'll see them talk to themselves, you'll see them talk to their invisible friends, you'll see them make weird faces, you'll see them speak in nonsensical languages, you'll see them dance in the street, you'll see them sitting on a chair and fall off two seconds later. When a kid does these things, it's cute. When an adult does it, it's mental illness, okay? Because at around age eight, we become more self-aware and with our parents' insistence, we start to develop these personas in preparation for joining the trap of humanity. And we stop running around with mud and dirt and sweat all over our faces and thinking that that's just a natural way to do things, okay? So those thoughts we used to randomly blurt out um, as little children become internalized. They become your inner monologue and we learn to choose what we present to the world. So at around eight or nine is the first time there's a divergence between you've got your inner monologue and then there's actually what you're saying, okay? And so begins the divide of the inner reality versus the uh, mask that you wear for the world. And as you start to get older, the mask solidifies through what I call shame and acceptance, okay? We learn to mask our feelings and present an image for others. And we learn first from our, our parents and then from our peer group through pain and pleasure, okay? Or more accurately, shame and acceptance. And of the two, by far shame is the biggest motivating factor for the type of the persona you adopt, as well as one of, if not the biggest motiva motivational factors in the world, okay? So from a young age, you're taught uh, what you should and shouldn't do, and that if you do something wrong, you get punished, and if you don't do the right thing, you also get punished, okay? Let me give you an example of a little kid going to a family party and little Johnny wants to play with all the other kids, but mom wants Johnny to go talk to grandma before he can play with the kids. But Johnny doesn't want to talk to grandma right now. And mom shames Johnny and grandma sees mom shaming Johnny. And so what does little Johnny do? He goes over to talk to grandma. This makes mom and grandma happy, all right? So he learns that not only do you get social acceptance, but mom might even give you a cookie for being a good boy. And so you, the little good boy, learn that you get punished for acting on your instincts and you get rewarded for putting on a good performance, okay? Because not only that, if you're a perceptive boy, you see that mom knew what you really wanted to do. And so did grandma, both of them, were in on it. Both of them wanted you to do, to do this action. Both of them would have shamed you for not doing it. 
but both were happy, happy to reward you for your acting skills knowing what you really wanted to do, okay? And I'm not saying this is a bad thing. This is part of the human condition. I mean, if I had children, I would make them go kiss grandma as well. I'm just saying this is the reality that we learn, okay? So you learn that the better you act, the more acceptance you get and the less shame you feel. Not just from your family, but from your teachers and your friends. Okay, so then we start to get into the persona in the teenage years, which is usually the most difficult period for people. Uh, so you carry this mentality of the persona into your teenage years and you start to develop and solidify the persona around 12, 13, 14. And this is why teenagers are so stressed out. Um, a lot of times they're acting out, a lot of times they're depressed because it is the bringing the the, not only the creation of the persona, but solidifying it and adapting it and fitting it into the real world when the social hierarchy starts to have um, a lot more negative consequences for not fitting in. Okay, little children don't have that much of an identity. If a kid's a little bit weird when you're younger, it doesn't really matter when you're all running around playing in the school ground. Okay, but you know, that same kid in high school, if he's still weird or he's gotten stranger, is going to have a lot of problems and it's, become, it's going to become much more noticeable. Okay. So as you get older, that blissful ignorance of childhood starts to die as you become more self-aware. You, you start to understand what other people are thinking, right? And you start to have this identity. So, hey, if I run around with a bunch of dirt on my face, people are going to look at me like um, I don't deserve respect. And you start to feel what people are feeling. And then there comes that period of self-awareness where most, a lot of kids around 12 or 13 will get really shy because they actually are now in the world and they actually can feel what other people are feeling. As opposed to when you're younger, you've got that blissful ignorance of not knowing what anyone's thinking and not caring and not having much of an identity whatsoever. So this makes the teenagers quite difficult for a lot of people. Um, and you see that you need to solidify and protect your identity or else risk being shamed and unaccepted. Uh, being a social outcast in high school is very rough and it's no coincidence that, you know, all those, pretty much all those high school shooters were kids who, who weren't fitting in or who were being outcasted or who were being bullied. So what you learn is you learn to conform to your peer group. Um, you can see this in any popular high school crew. They'll be dressed within millimeters of each other and all speaking the same saying, same slang. And if I look back at pictures from my high school, man, I had at one point I had like dyed blonde M and M hair. I had like the baggy khakis and stuff. And there's there's pictures of us that I look at where we all had like the spiked up hair from friends. Okay, this was like late nineties. I think I graduated in ninety nine or two thousand. Spiked up hair from friends and shit, and like the same fucking black vest on. You know the same everything. Like like clones man and uh but that's you know that's what we had to do to 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 be popular at that level um because the 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 alienation in high school is a rough thing man it really is so you learn that in high school and then you take these the same persona the same identity the same image and, and you bring that with you into adulthood and eventually into the corporate world Okay, in the corporate world, you see the same suits, same business casual clothes, the same shoes, the same corporate buzzwords, you know, shifting paradigms, moving the goalposts further, all this kind of bullshit. 
You know, there's an archetype in every office and the closer you are to hitting that, the more acceptance you get, okay? And when you're self-aware and you're working in corporate America, it's like watching the theater of the absurd. Me and my buddy Zach, we used to go to work and we used to call it playing dress up for money because that's how it, how it felt, you know? Because I could, I could just, I'm still the same person inside, but then when I'm speaking to clients, it's, it's uh, work safe will, right? Hey, John, how are you? Good to see you. Great, how are the kids? Excellent, wow, I can't believe that happened, right? It's the persona that we need to, in this society, to get revenue, to get income, to pay for resources, okay? To function in the corporate world is to pretend. You pretend like you don't have genitals. You pretend not to look at the girls in your office and they pretend not to, to look at you. You pretend not to hate your boss and he pretends not to, or he pretends to care about you on a personal level. And you pretend you don't have any controversial uh, opinions on religion, politics, or any of the other topics you're not supposed to talk about. Okay. All those layers are part of your professional persona, who I used to call work safe will. The truth is your corporate world, and therefore our society, wouldn't function without personas. Okay. If every employee on, acted honestly and told their boss to shove that TPS report right up his candy ass, um, corporations would cease to exist, okay, if people would actually say what they felt. Because the truth is no one wants to sit in an office for eight hours a day doing data entry. Nobody, okay, let alone having to act grateful for the opportunity. But the shame of alienation and even more important as you get older, the fear of poverty is what keeps the majority of people tied to a desk playing out that persona in exchange for resources and being able to live. Okay. And so we take that even further. Uh, let's look at the persona on display in our, in our culture as a whole. Okay. So beyond culture, we, beyond corporate culture, we have the cult of the celebrity. Okay. Where the most powerful and persuasive personas in the game of life are worshiped like demigods by other players in the game. Okay. And again, guys, you know, I keep coming back to the idea of playing the game of life. I've got a bunch of articles and videos on it, and I just, it's a really good concept. It's a good frame to be able to use to understand life, in my opinion. Okay, so at the top of the game, we've got actors, we've got athletes, we've got musicians and politicians, and they're at the pinnacle of the pyramid, having elevated their personas to that level through skill and through 24-7 commitment, okay? Like when you're at that highest level, you can't afford to make mistakes. Look at the presidency, for example, okay? The highest honor in America. In the two years leading up to that glorious dog and pony show in the sky, candidates are judged on absolutely everything, okay? From their haircut to their voice to even the smallest of facial tics. Everything that is but their actual policies, which the average person doesn't care about. Uh, the presidency, like all elections, in reality, it's a popularity contest, okay? If it was the highest IQ guys with the best policies, it would be a totally different election. It's not. It's a popularity contest, and the candidate is judged both on their charm and how presidential of a persona they're able to present. I remember the lead-up to the last election cycle, the, the um, Hillary and Trump. I must have heard the term presidential a hundred times in, like, is he presidential enough? Is she presidential enough? Are they acting presidential enough in this debate? I mean, it's so bizarre when you're able to, to look at it sort of objectively. And 
at that level, there's just no room for mistakes. Okay. Any uncalculated motion will cost you the election. If you don't ask me, just ask Howard Dean. If you, if you don't remember Howard Dean, Howard Dean was um, a Democrat. He, I think he was going for the Democratic nomination, maybe 2003 or 2004. And he got real worked up at one rally and he went into, we're going down to Washington and Oregon and Arkansas and Washington and Oregon and literally like that. Within a day, he was done. Within his, within a day, he was he was memed. He was all over the front page of everything. And the next week, he was on the Chappelle show with Dave Chappelle dressed up as him doing that exact same speech and just saying "biah" like five hundred times, which is still available online for you to watch. It's still funny. Like that's it. He was done. One mistake. He got carried away. He showed a little bit of human emotion because he was all excited about all those people cheering for him, and it was lights out for Howard Dean. Okay, people say they want an honest politician, but that's the last thing they want. Howard Dean showed a tiny little bit of honesty. He was gone. Okay, if a politician expressed his feelings naturally, he wouldn't have a prayer of getting elected, right? He wouldn't have a prayer. He, every opinion that a politician has that releases has to go through a focus group, and has to go through a, an army of strategists. It has to be polled. He has to see how he's doing in the poll. He has to see what his candidate's opinions on that. He can't just say something out of his mouth. He can't just say the truth and get elected. It's not possible. Okay? So it has to all be filtered through that, the, those multiple multiple lenses and then come out of a presidential sounding persona. Uh, if you want to see an example of a flawless presidential persona, look no further than Barack Obama. Okay, regardless of, of his politics, you know here at RLD that we don't care about politics at all. We don't focus on it. He was the slickest politician of our lifetime. Poised, confident, level-headed. Um, no scandals in his personal life that we heard about. Dignified, you know, great vocabulary, always could answer a question without getting upset. I mean, next to him, it would be Bill Clinton, but Bill Clinton always kept getting caught because he couldn't, he couldn't, he could control the presidential persona on camera, but he couldn't control it off camera, whereas Obama could. Um, and his persona combined with his speaking abilities literally had people lining up to literally worship him. If you, if you look at his first campaign, when he was talking about hope and change, there are people in the stands, crying and weeping and wailing and bowing down um, at, at the power of, of his persona and the way that he, he was able to create that campaign, okay? Um, so that's the idea of the generation of the persona and how we take it into adulthood and how it's on display in our culture. But now I want to talk about, so you got a general idea for it, how, how the persona hurts you, okay? And the first way that your persona hurts you is when you confuse your, your character with yourself, okay? So by the time you've reached adulthood, right, you've been taught by your parents and your peer group and your friends and everybody that through shame and acceptance, you have to maintain this persona at all costs, and when you take it into the corporate world, it solidifies and you're working at it 40 hours a day. And the risk of slipping now is not just alienation, but it's, it's loss of revenue. 
And the same applies to the sexual marketplace, right? If you don't have, if you can't scrap together a good persona, well, you're not getting sex and affection from women, okay? And on top of that, you're constantly presenting through the media of images of rock stars and CEOs and um, uh, politicians and all these guys at the pinnacle of the game that you look up to. So, and that maybe perhaps you're trying to emulate, um, you know, whether it's an actor or whoever, okay? So it's no wonder that many guys end up confusing themselves with, with their persona, with their character. You know, adding beliefs to it and ideologies and identities and layers and layer on top of layer on top of layer. You know, after having acted it for so long, it, it's just natural. Like, you'll see it, you'll see so much of identity identitarian politics these days. It's part of why I, I keep telling you guys that you don't need the ideologies. You don't need these identities. You got guys who, who are identifying as vegan or bodybuilder or vegan bodybuilder or businessman as, as, as what they actually are. Okay. To the point where I've had a beer with a coworker, you can have a beer with a coworker and he's selling you on, on his off time for his passion for initiating marketing initiatives. Right. That's like that's that's what he's talking about in his off time as if he would still be working at at Dunder Mifflin, you know, if he wasn't getting paid. Like he's confused himself that that that's actually what he's most passionate about, that he's talking about it with his off time. Right. Instead of instead of, you know, admitting that he wouldn't be there if he wasn't getting the paycheck and that in reality, he'd be rather spending his time with his loved ones or having sex with a hot girl or drinking with his buddies, you know. That's, that's the reality of it, okay? Uh, because the persona takes so much effort to maintain, it's so sensitive to attacks that most guys actually end up less happy in adulthood than they, they would be than they were in childhood, which is so messed up because think about all the work that we put into it. Most guys go through 20 years of school and then they go through university and then it's slugging it out in the corporate world. And it's like all of this for like, you're less happy than you were when you were a little kid, when you had nothing. And you ran around with snot on your face and your hair was all matted down because you're sweating all day and you don't wash your dirty feet and you drag them through the house, right? You're happier then, okay? And, you know, it's really messed up, but that's, that's the reality. And even worse than a guy confusing himself with his character is when basically the shameful instincts and emotions that don't fit his persona are denied and repressed, forming what Jung calls the shadow self, okay? And the shadow self is the the part of your persona that's not you, or that you say is not you, right? Okay, if you're the corporate family man, if that's your persona, and you've identified with that persona, like you've confused yourself with that character, then you're not supposed to have thoughts like, I want to fuck the shit out of the 19-year-old receptionist at work. Or, when you're driving, get the fuck out of my way, um, learn how to drive cocksucker, or I want to crack my keyboard over my punk boss's head every single day. Okay. But we have those thoughts. Okay. You, you probably had some of those thoughts. I certainly have. I don't indulge the violent thoughts, but they're definitely there. And I don't try and fuck every good looking girl I see, but the impulse definitely comes up. If I see a hot girl, my, my eyes will turn naturally. I'll perk up a little bit. I'll, I'll, Check over there to see what's going on, okay? Um, and at one point, I was ashamed of those thoughts. Now, I, I, I accepted my shadow self pretty early, you know, around 14, 15, 16. But 
at one point I denied those thoughts, right? I was like, no, I'm a good boy. I want those aren't mine. Those are just bad thoughts coming to me. That's not me. Okay. They didn't fit my persona. I was a good boy, but those thoughts are as real as all the kind and loving thoughts that I have. Okay. They just didn't fit the narrative. Now, of course, I'm not advocating you guys indulge your violent instincts. I'm just, I'm just bringing this all to your awareness um, and trying to create that opening for you and create that space for you to be able to understand it and then to be able to make the persona work for you. And that is what we are going to cover in part two of this. Again, you can check out the article over at revolutionarylifestyledesign.com, but stay tuned for part two, where I'm going to take all this knowledge that you now have about the persona, and I'm going to show you how to create a persona that makes, that works for you, as well as how to make your life a lot more fun and enjoyable by using and creating and shaping that persona. So that's it for part one. Again, stay tuned for part two and check out the article over at revolutionarylifestyledesign.com. Wish you all the best in your personal development journey, my man.